What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Swim Bay Podcast. Today, I'm joined by another Bay Builder. Um, <clears throat> kind of, kind of breaking the bounds of things. I've talked to people from the East and West Coast. Now we're kind of going to the PNW with Mr. Eli Hawk. Um, he is a younger builder. I'm sure a lot of people know him, and we're going to touch on a lot of stuff on kind of how he got started and uh, really how he got into swim baits and how that kind of uh, ended up where. Where it is today? So, I introduce off and then we'll be ball rolling here. All righty, thanks for having me on. So, uh, yeah, my name is Eli Hawk sure. from Expedition Baits, and um, I've been making baits for a couple years now. And uh, I've sold baits across the U.S. and uh, yeah, I mean, I make resin baits, wood baits, swim baits. Uh, I haven't made any conventional lures yet, but some of my baits are a little bit on the smaller end. Yeah, so I guess kind of really get into everything to be to begin begin on everything. Um, how did you get into swim baits, and then um, how did you get into the building your own stuff? For how long for you to fish swim baits, and you're like, okay, like I have an idea. Why don't Why don't I try something like this? So I started fishing swim baits actually like a, a while ago. So I'm 18, and I have an older brother. Okay, and we've been fishing. I'll start off with like how I started fishing. I guess. Just in general. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, my brother and I, we do like a lot of bass fishing, obviously, but uh, my dad's always been into trout fishing. Um, and he grew up doing that. So, when my brother and I were younger, uh, we did a lot of trout fishing. We went to like creeks with my dad. We'd go camping and then uh, just stuff like that. And then as we got a little bit older, he's a lot older than me. He's about seven years older than me. Um, okay. As we got older, we started bass fishing a little bit because my cousins were doing that. Uh, we thought it was pretty cool. So specifically my brother did. So once he started getting into it, I did too because we're pretty close. Then when I was about 11, that's when I got into it the most or just started to. Just fishing conventional stuff, you know, like Senkos and different things like that. And then over time, we just started fishing more things. We'd try like chatterbaits, different things, order stuff off Tackle Warehouse once in a while. Then I think it was in yeah 2015. My brother ordered my brother ordered some reaction innovation swim baits, and he thought they were going to be the smaller size, or maybe they like accidentally sent him the bigger size. Which looking back, it wasn't that big, right. but we thought it was back then, you know. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I mean they were probably only like five inches, but we thought they were huge. And, right, um, yeah, for sure. And then he, we put them on like the biggest, uh, like swim bit hooks that we had. So my brother caught like a three pounder at some lake we went to, and then he was like stuck after that. I still wasn't really doing that. I was still fishing my Senkos and stuff. Then he ended up ordering like some S waivers and then like HUD 68, or no, the HUD 68 wasn't out, I don't think. I don't know, but the six inch. <laughs> and, um, he was fishing that a little, and then I got into it a little bit. I threw, like, an S-waiver, and, I mean, I was still, like, 12, and, I mean, I didn't have, like, that much luck on him, but I thought it was kind of cool, and, like, back then, yeah, like, I live in Oregon, and, uh, like, Southern Oregon, and there's some people that throw swim baits now, but, like, back then, there weren't that many people, so, like, my brother, he was, like, 17 or 18, he was getting a lot of fish on swim baits like he caught like an eight pounder um at a lake Damn. on 
the HUD, um, and that was on the bank, and some guy had to go grab it for him because we were on, like, a 10-foot cliff. That was pretty crazy. I don't know how, like, the fish jumped, like, 10 times and didn't come out. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, over time, we just fished them more, and uh, I didn't go, like, fishing swim baits a lot until about 2019, and I'm still not, like, good at fishing swim baits, but, I mean, it's fun, and I like catching the bigger fish, and, like, that's what I like going for. Yeah, for sure. Um, so honestly, it's kind of a happy mess up that Tackleware hey, sent you guys those wrong size uh, innovations. Like, honestly, it sounds that was, especially that's like what got your foot in the door as far as like fishing, quote unquote, like a big bait. Like who would have ever like branched out to that it wasn't, if it didn't happen on accident. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, so you guys, you guys got into it and uh, you, you started fishing swim bait. Like at one point, what in time when you're like, hey, I think that this is a cool bait, but I think I could I could switch it up and make it a little bit either more effective for where you live or just like a swim that you wanted I guess would come into and then how did you when I just start doing a few different baits like why does it why do I just have to stick with one bait that I make okay so in 2019 so not long after I really really started fishing swim baits and that was like the majority of what I started throwing um yeah not long after that I was throwing like the bull shooter and like a lot of bluegill baits and then I started getting into rats and i mean i didn't fish that many rats i fished like the spro 40 pretty small uh, they make a bigger size right. but i just didn't get into it and then or oh oh my bad okay <laughs> so i actually started out with forgetting something <laughs> so i started out with a bluegill glide bait because my friend actually started making them first so he was okay. watching marling baits on youtube he was making some wooden baits out of some balls that he got from like Hobby Lobby. At this point, my friend was like 13 and I was like 15. And I mean, I thought it was cool. I didn't really know anything about it. I was like, I've always just been like obsessed with fishing and I played soccer back then, but I was like, sure, like I'll try it. You know, didn't think it'd turn into anything. Like my first bait didn't turn out good, obviously. I mean, it's the first one, nothing wrong with that. It's a little like four inch glide bait that i made and it swam really well and i was pretty happy with it so i was like okay I, i'll make a few more slowly my friend like wasn't making them as much but i i uh -huh. ended up making some more so i think my first eight baits were glide baits and i mean that's the majority of what i threw back then so that's why i started making glide baits and i wanted something smaller right. that still would glide and i mean that first one like i completely got lucky like i had no idea what i was doing like <laughs> <laughs> like the bait looked like crap but i mean it swam nice and i had like copper hardware and stuff like it was it was rough but uh, i still have it right. it's on my shelf and did you catch did you catch a lot of fish those glide those first couple glide baits you made actually no i i didn't really fish them like i made them and then i just wanted to make them another one and another one just to like try to get them better <laughs> <laughs> until i like wanted right, yeah. to fish one <laughs> really part of it was that first one swam well but then like the next one after it was like terrible and then i had to like kind of figure out how to do it right um as i started making them i like my parents don't really have like a lot of power tools they had like a drill and that was about it but like <laughs> i got like a cheap saw five bucks at home depot and i would cut the rough shape with a little coping saw and it would take like 45 minutes just to get the outline yeah and damn. uh yeah it took so, it took a while damn so so you'll be um i guess after that 
at did you kind of like take a break or like once you figured out the glide you're like okay cool like i i made i made a glide big that's cool and then did you kind of take a break or did you did you can like think about like okay so like a glide bait's like hard to replicate one but my next seven might not swim with crap. Maybe, maybe I designed something else. And it was that kind of around that you started fishing that Spro 40 and you're like, Hey, glide bait doomed and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So like the glide baits were fun and all they're hard to get consistent. Plus I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to make a business out of it or anything like that. I mean, right. I wasn't making any batches of baits, but I just, again, like, like you were saying, I kind of just want to try something new. Let's see. I started fishing that Spro rat. I don't think I really took much of a break. I I was oh I went over to my uncle's one day and he has like a sander and a bandsaw and stuff so I cut like three baits out one bait was like a lunker punker style walking bait and then one was a uh, a big rat like it was a uh, like seven inches seven and a half inches body so I cut that out I didn't know which one I wanted to make first but I'm like okay I'm gonna make the rat first so I don't have a lot of rat baits and I just think they're interesting so. The idea behind it was like, I've been seeing muskrats in my local waters and like, I haven't seen a rat this big. See, and like there were, there are rats out there that are that big and they've been around for a long time. I just hadn't seen them yet. And I mean, again, like I wasn't trying to sell any of them, so it didn't matter. But also like, I didn't have a lot of money to go spend on a nice rat. And I feel like that's. Yeah, uh, that's hard. a lot of guys who start to build, it is because like they they're kind of newer to swim baiting, or they're just like, paying prices for for uh, like the like quote the the premium baits out there. Like, why would I why would I buy this X Y Z bait? I can go and make one for twenty five dollars, and then they kind of start like, oh okay, so like this is how I do it, and then they get a little mad at it, and they're like, oh shit, and then they kind of they kind of turn that into a business and it seems like what happened to you is you got decent at it. You kind of uh, got equipped with what you needed and started to get out a little, a little bit better and it got here for you to now where you are now, I guess, really. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, yeah. I hear a lot of people doing the same thing. Just wanted to make some for fun because I thought it was going to be cheaper, but it's actually not. <laughs> so um, yeah, go ahead. Rat. Yeah. So the first rat that you did, um, is that one? Because I remember you posting up around uh, Universe, and it was the one with like the detachable lip and everything. And I was like, damn, like, this is badass. It's done with a rat before. Was that the rat that you've been talking about? Was this uh, a couple couple previous rats before? Oh, uh, no, yeah, that was the first one. Yeah, it's, let's see. The bait has like a, it's not for everyone. Because I feel like a lot of people like more of the like erratic swim with their rat wake baits. And there's a lot of tail kick. I think yeah. that, so yeah, I think that a lot of people like that erratic swim and this one's not like that. I wanted it to be different and I wanted it to have a natural swim and that's what it has. And okay. I probably sold like 40 of them, but they took a long time to make. Like they, I had oh, a resin. Yeah, for sure. yeah like, I had silicone molds to make resin ones, but I mean, up until a few weeks ago, every time I go to pour baits, I use one mold. I can't believe I went that long doing that, but <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> silicone's expensive, dude. Like, it's a gallon for at least one hundred twenty-four dollars, yeah. one hundred twenty-five, depending on what you get. Damn! And so, if you had to kind of elaborate, how many how many gallons does it take? Um, like your tadpoles, I don't remember if if you make those out of resin, but how many how many gallons of resin? Fuck! How many gallons of silicone does it make to make uh, make a mold for one of your baits? So the the scramblers, which are like the tadpoles, those are those are all wooden. But okay, the so 
like the rats, they're, they were big. And I, I don't know if I'll ever make any more. Those ones, I can't remember exactly how much silicone, but I mean, I don't know. I think it was a couple pints per mold or something like that. And I could have made the molds yeah. a little bit different. Also, I was buying trial sizes back then because, I mean, those were a lot cheaper. But that's like still like 40 bucks. It was like 40 <laughs> bucks a mold. And so you didn't have any prior knowledge to to making molds or to to buying those trial sizes and everything. So like, was there a point in time where you fucked up a mold and you're like, oh, like there goes eight down the drain because I used too many parts A or I uh, I didn't let it dry enough or there's bubbles in it or along those lines? Oh yeah. I hadn't had, I've never really had a problem with the like part A, part B when it comes to the silicone. Cause I mean, it seems like a lot of silicones are pretty forgiving, which is nice. Cause I would have messed up a lot of molds. Like for real, dude, like some, sometimes I pour it in and I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> but bubbles, like that was a big thing. that's always been until now really um, with the molds because something I didn't know for a long time, like you can use a lot of people use for, a lot of different hobby making like liquids and different things. You can use a like a hairdryer or like a heat gun to pop bubbles, whether yeah. that's like epoxy resin yep. or something like that. I thought that that would be like the same for silicone because when you put a blow dryer on it, the pu- the bubbles in the silicone will pop. But really, I guess I looked it up and there's like some reaction with the silicone to where that actually makes a lot more bubbles. So in some of my molds, I was getting Shit. bubbles along the surface. <laughs> And like, they're like little pinholes. So I'd have to try to fill those in. And sometimes they just like are a pain. People always like, this guy came out with this bait and people don't see it because they don't know the money that goes producing the bait. Yeah, for sure. Like, like what uh, Kyle from Throwback was saying on the podcast, like he was basically just saying the same thing. Like there's so much work that goes into it that people don't even realize. Like there's been posts on Universe yeah, yeah. Uh, or any platform of like not very often, but once in a while, somebody will be like, oh, like, it's pretty easy to make these resin baits. Like, people just, like, uh, like, you push a button, and then, it, boom, it's in the mold, and you take it out. It's like, like, it's not that simple. Like, a lot of these guys are garage builders. Like, I know Caesar from Toxic works, like, crazy, pouring a ton of baits, and he has a crew, but, like, it takes a lot of time. Plus, like, the sanding, that takes the longest. Right, yeah. Um. Is there have a preference? So the circular is made out of wood. You have a preference. If you had to sit down and make a batch of baits, would you rather make 20 wood baits or 20, uh, 20 resin baits? I think I like resin more just because it's so consistent. And yeah. I just, I like the, I like the whole process really of resin. I like, I've been using resin dyes lately to get my resin red so that when you get hook rash, it'll look like it's bleeding maybe. And so I, I like yeah. that. So yeah, and I, I think that just in general, I like resin baits or making resin baits more. Something that I figured out a while back when I was prototyping the scrambler is so metal expands when it gets cold. And I never really thought about that in like a lure standpoint. Like you don't really think about that. Like you'll drill a hole and then you'll put your lead in it and then you seal it up. And normally that's it. And some issues I was having with the scrambler when I first started making it was I would drill a quarter inch hole and then I'd put some quarter inch lead in it and then I'd seal it up and the bait would be fine. And this was the prototyping stage and I'd be fishing it when it'd be cold outside. And then later on, I'd pick up the bait and there's like this tiny little crack on the bottom. So, um, you, I guess the next question is how long 
did you have the scrambler for in your hands until you're like, okay, like I've caught fish on it. I'm confident with it. Like I, I, I'm ready to show people this bait and see, see what the interest level is and see if, if people are interested in buying this bait. Um, it didn't take a super long time. It, maybe like a couple months. Started selling them for really cheap, like 25 bucks shipped for a couple guys. And then once that happened, then like people would be like, hey, yeah, I caught some fish on it. Most of those fish were small because like the scramblers are really small bait. Like the body's only two and a half right. inches long. Tail's like three yeah. inches. It's basically just a crankbait, you know? It's just a little oversized crankbait. But I started catching fish really fast, and then I was able to get it into Ben's Tackle Shack over there in Massachusetts, and then I started selling a bunch of them after that. So it was probably only a couple months. Heck yeah. Um, Did you catch a lot of fish on it? I mean, like you just said, like it is, it is a relatively small bait, so you probably... I mean, you're able to tell if it's a good bait, like, wait, like, you go, oh, it's only catch two fish. Like, oh, is it just because the size or is it because it could be worked on relative to, to the size that it's, it's like a five and a half inch bait, body and tail. Like, you're able to tell if something fish are interested in or not. Pretty, like, you don't go out days and days without catching fish on it, I'm sure. Yeah, especially during those warmer months, which is, I started the scrambler in the spring. Yeah, it was it was pretty quick to where I realized like okay, I, I like this bait. It's a small bait. It's just a really fun bait to fish, and I was able to make them fast because uh, like some people don't know and some people do. And they're the scrambler. I like I needed a new idea. I I liked the rats, but they just took a long time. So um, the scramblers are basically like a wooden egg body. And then I have to like cut the lip saw on the table saw and then get all like the lead holes drilled and then lead in and then seal them up and then hardware epoxied in and then I have to like seal the wood and everything. But like that's also why the price point is lower, you know, for a wooden bait. Right. So do you kind of have, I mean, cut, cutting an egg for anybody who's never used a bands, it's probably, especially when it's that small. So do you have like a jig that you kind of lock lock the uh, body into to run it over the table saw? Or have you kind of developed your own way to make sure that it's the right angle every time? You're not going to lose any fingers along the way and that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I started out cutting them. Well, I started cutting the lip slots on the bandsaw, but then I realized this is not a good choice because it was hard to get them <laughs> square. It was this... Like, it was a little bit dangerous. So then I switched to, like, this little jig I made on the miter saw, which still isn't the safest thing, technically. But, I mean, like, it was fine. And then eventually I yeah. made a jig for a table saw, which I was – I don't have a table saw, but I had uh, – I was taking a wood shop class. So I would go cut them, cut all the lip slots in there, and then I'd take them home and work on them. But, yeah, like, it's hard to cut an egg – and like make it actually straight and consistent. Yeah, consistency is um is the big thing with a wood bait because I mean you're you're like you are physically making every single one, whereas a resin bait you pour it into the mold once you once you perfect the mold, obviously uh, you pour it in there, uh, you make sure there's no bubbles in it, you let it sit for an hour, however long to cure, and you come back and you're like, oh sweet, like it's done. With a wood bait, you you kind of each bait definitely has its own like love and nourishing because you're starting from nothing you have to you have to sand it down you have to cut the bill slot which obviously sounds like the the most challenging part of the scrambler bait for sure 
Yeah, for sure. And like, even though I wasn't like carving the scrambler body, there's still different wood density that you have to factor in. So like some of the wood might be harder than another bait. So then if one might be a little bit denser, it might swim a little different or it might sit a little bit lower. Right. And I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of variables that come into it relative to is like resin. Obviously you have to figure out your formula and everything, but once you have that figured out, like you can continuously do that where wood is kind of, I guess a little bit always, uh, I guess always a little bit different. That's what I was trying to say. I guess the bills, like I, I've thrown some baits and like cutting the Lexan bill is part because you have to make sure it's like, am I okay-ish to throw in a bait or it's going to kind of swim weird. How did you start off with that? Or did you find somebody and did you buy like a bulk set of lips pre-made and everything so you didn't have to dick around with all that? Yeah, the Lexan lips, that's for a while that was that was pretty difficult because like I would look on different lure websites and none of them had a lip that would fit the baits I was already making and I didn't want to like make a new bait based around a lip because you don't even know if that's going to work yeah. the best it could. And there were a few guys on like Universe that were cutting lips for people on a cnc machine but they were pretty booked like it was it's still needed by a lot of people in the industry but luckily there's like bulk outdoors now he's been cutting a lot of lips mm-hmm. but yeah like back then uh, for a while i was cutting lips on my bandsaw and then before that and like during that depending on how thick the lip was or what shape it was, I would use my Dremel with a little cutoff wheel. And I'd have to, I'd cut the lesson with that, but it'd basically be melting through it and I'd have to like clean up the edges. Just a nightmare. But, yeah, uh, that's and such then Volk Outdoors, is. yeah. And, uh, then Volk Outdoors came into the picture. He, I can't even remember how that started, but I just saw him on Instagram one day or something. I think it was throwback. I saw like one of the lips he did or something like that. Then, yeah, eventually I hit him up, and he's been cutting lips for me for a while, and he puts, like, the logo in them and stuff. Yeah, they always look pretty cool, and, yeah, he'll put your logo on them, and you can really choose, like, whatever you want because he does. I think he does, like, a laser or something for the logo. I'm not really sure, but – and I just order in bulk from him. Normally, like, 50 – or the first time was 50, and then I've been getting 100 at a time. Yeah, dude, that's going to save so much time, and – and you know that everyone is going to be the exact same risk. Like this one be a little bit too much. Like I got to make another, or you sand a little too much down. Yeah, it's just it's a game of millimeters, and it's like why or centimeters. I think centimeters are smaller. I don't. But it's like why would I do this if I could outsource it to somebody else and like get it perfect every time? Like it, it makes sense. And Volk Outdoors does a really good job. Like I see his posts all the time. Uh, I think he's doing the community a huge, huge job. Uh, everybody it makes it so much easier for access to those premium lips and i think like the the names on the baits and everything in the lips it's such a badass little touch that you're gonna see in a lot of baits in the next couple yeah for sure it is really good work and yeah like you said he does it for Um, so many builders all the big ones yeah yeah and uh, i mean it's crazy to see him grow because i remember when it was a decent talk about like the guys who use use his bills now and i think it's sweet kind of branching off to your new bait the salamander um how, how did you get started on that did you just kind of see a hole in in uh, the swim bait arsenal like everybody has a rat there's some bat baits out there the crawlers um there there's punkers and everything but nobody really made uh, like and obviously salamanders are definitely uh, a forge for bass because i mean 
they do swim and everything. And it's just kind of a missing thing that you don't see very many of. So how did you come up with that idea? And then how long did it take you to kind of execute it and car- carve it and everything? Good question. So I started carving it. Oh, I needed like a woodshop project. And I was like, okay, like I asked my woodshop teacher, can I make a bait? And he's like, yeah. So I was trying to think of ideas and then I just wanted something like cool. Like I wasn't planning on molding anything. I just wanted something cool for myself. I remember my friend telling me that there were some salamanders at one of our local lakes. And I was like, okay, I can. I'm going to make a salamander bait. And so I was looking up pictures of salamanders and started drawing out some ideas. And then I'm really fortunate that my woodshop class had a lot of really nice tools and my teacher was super cool and flexible. So he let me make the salamander and uh, I was able to cut it out on the bandsaw and use all their tools because, I mean, I have a bandsaw here and like a sander, but they have like really nice ones and a lot of different like bits and uh, different machines there to basically just make it as symmetrical as possible so i started carving it and originally it was gonna have like big spots or like bumps on the back of it and then i decided against it because that was kind of more like leaning towards a newt or maybe like even looking like a toad so i really wanted it to look like a salamander then i yeah i just kept carving it and then i don't really know why i just decided to make the bottom dimpled so i have like this little dremel bit i just it's like a little burr bit and it's it's probably like a 16th of an inch and i just put tiny little dimples all over the bottom of the salamander salamanders don't really have that like newts kind of do but i don't know i just thought it would be kind of cool so i did that i posted it on my facebook page and stuff just seeing what people thought of the bait because I, i i finished my wooden one i glued all the the joint in and i glued all the hook hangers in and then I painted it, clear coated it. It was it was a spotted salamander. And those there's a lot of those I think there's a lot of those up by you, or at least I know in Minnesota there's a lot, but we have uh we have those mud puppies. I don't know if you kinda know what those are. I'm sure they're probably called something else, but it's like it's like a salamander that just more or less more or less lives on the bottom of the lake. They're usually albino or there's some dark ones and they kinda have like little gills i guess if you want to say and seeing seeing your bait that's what i think of is like oh that's definitely a a mud puppy and i think that a lot of fish kind of eat that but it's a forage that literally everybody overlooks because it is so kind of weird and wonky that nobody really thinks that something that and would eat yeah i think i think i know what you're talking about too those like are they like white and they're like maybe like a little bit pink in them or something yeah 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 yeah, I think I know those, and I I want to paint some of those because I've I've seen some of those just pictures. I've been looking up like tons of pictures. Like it surprises me how many salamanders there really are in the U.S. It's kind of <laughs> difficult to like find out which ones I should paint because there's so many, and like what do people really yeah. see in their local waters? You know, because you know that's important. I want to like match the forage as much as I can. Oh, for sure. Kind of when you when you made the bait and you made it wood, did you have like an idea like, like, okay, this is how I want it to swim this. I want it to either be like a loud clanking, like loud clacking bait, or I kind of want it to be a little bit more subtle, dispersing water, maybe not so loud. And then were you able to do that with the wood bait or did you kind of have to make some changes to the bait before you molded it and stuff? I So I posted on, uh, I think just my normal Facebook page and then 
people re- like there are a few people on there that just really liked it. So I was like, okay, I, maybe I should mold this thing. Like, um, let me go swim it because I put some lead in it, and I I didn't really think it was in the right spot just because of how the bait was set up, and I already had uh, dimpled the bottom, so I didn't want to drill straight into there and have to redimple it. So I posted it. Yeah, people liked it, and then. Sorry, what was the rest of your question? <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I I asked if like if you had an idea in mind, like you wanted it to be like a really loud clacking bait, or if you kind of wanted it to be a little more subtle. And then if you were able to achieve that with the wood one, or if you kind of had to make some changes before you molded it. Okay, yeah. So I put the lead in, and I I decided to go test swim it, and I mean it swam really nice. And um, it was more of like a crank down. Um, and I didn't mind that. I didn't really care if it was a wake or a crank down. I just like that style of bait. So, I mean, it swam and it, it swam nice, but it had a really fluid, natural motion to it. And uh, I've looked at a lot of videos of salamanders and newts swimming. And they have like a lot of tail kick and they almost swim like, um, like how I'd imagine a one-piece bait would or like they just have a lot of tail kick and then their head or like a stiff motion it's a stiff motion to where there's a lot of movement but mostly tail kick and then like the whole body itself just looks super stiff so this bait didn't have that and this bait just looks super fluid so um, once I molded it I Played around with the weighting and uh, I got it down pretty quick on how I wanted it to swim. And uh, now it has a lot of tail kick and then, like I was saying, it has like that stiff motion. So I want I wanted it to swim how a salamander does, but also just like pretty erratic. And uh, I just think that not only do people seem to like the erratic swim, but that really matches how a salamander swims. So yeah, it's turning out pretty nice. Yeah, um, have you start? Have you started to sell these salamanders yet, or are you kind of kind of holding off on it for now? Uh, right now, I'm kind of holding off. I have I have a few testers out there that are swimming them right now, and uh, there's one guy who's caught like six on it, I think, or something like that. And none of them have been big yet, but like he's been telling me like the, the thing just gets bit like crazy, and then. I brought it to that lake that my friend was telling me about. Uh, I brought like one of the first prototypes and I, it was just straight up red resin and I got a small mouth on it and it wasn't big, but like, you know, it really feels good when you get to go out there and captain on your own bait. It doesn't really matter how big it is. Oh. Yeah. Especially a small mouth because it's like, it's not necessarily a kind of catch, catch on a decent sized bait. Like you can catch them on jerk baits and everything, but to fish like, a five inch plus bait and catch smallmouth on it. It's like holy shit! Like this must this must look decent if a smallmouth is going to try to take this thing on. Oh yeah, for sure. And like that was the first smallmouth on a bait I made, and it was my second smallmouth on a swim bait. So it was super exciting. Oh damn, that's awesome. I I kind of want to touch on your pick uh, the pictures I've seen. I really enjoy it. Like even your even your scrambler paint, where it's just the 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 green body and like the yellow spots. Like it's simple, but it's it's realistic what the bait is is resembling. So, did you have any prior experience to uh, to painting things? Did you just kind of like, oh, I make these baits like uh, 
learn how to paint somewhat. Yeah, no, I didn't have any prior painting, like really, really at all. Maybe like six or eight months after I started making baits, I traded my uncle like two wooden glide baits that I made uh, for like this airbrush kit. And it's like one of the beginner airbrush kits. You can get them on Amazon. And yeah, I mean, I just started messing around with that. Uh, just getting paints at Hobby Lobby once in a while. And then, yeah, I mean, it kind of grew from there. The tadpoles are like a really simple paint scheme. Like they're, it's super simple, but I just like the way it looks. It's, it's pretty clean and it's not the most natural thing, but yeah, I just, I just think it looks pretty cool. And it's a, uh, simple to do on those ones but really i started testing like what i really could do so i started off with the tadpoles and then on the scramblers i started painting other stuff like bluegill on the little tadpole or mouse style bait i started painting like bluegill and then different variations of that and then i started getting a little bit better at painting because i hadn't really painted any fish styles before that that much uh, I think it goes. It goes with like they start out and they're they're intimidated by the by the uh, by painting the painting process, and then like flash flash forward like a year and you have guys like Kyle from Throwback who is like laying down thick ass paint and it's like okay like if you stick with it like you're gonna get semi decent at it like if you have an eye for detail and you kind of in in my idea like in my thought it looks like something uh, you have to know, overlay this color to give it this effect and that's like. I don't know if I could do it. Obviously, I've never tried or anything. Maybe I'm just psyched out, but I feel like that's like the hardest part is kind of like uh, choreographing what you're going to do before you actually even like paint and bait. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, I started making my like two pieces again, which I started making a long time ago. And then I started making a wake version pretty recently. I was able to get a lot better at painting by doing those, but like it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty difficult to like, put colors behind different colors and make them look good so they're not super dramatic but yeah I, uh, i've seen the mob walkers that kyle's doing and how he's doing like two yeah, of each yeah. color and they're looking pretty sweet yeah kyle has, has kyle's got the perch like the perch pattern down those perch uh pen yeah. mob walkers are like personally like my favorite perch means i've seen i'm not a huge fan of perch like i'll be the first to admit it. i kind of hate it but like if they could all look like that, then I'd probably enjoy it just because it's like aesthetically pleasing to the eye. And that's like the big um, thing about painting. Like, uh, like that's the thing about painting. Like it's hard to get them for me, at least like supernatural. And that's because, I mean, I still don't have a lot of experience painting and there's a lot of people out there that are like really good at it, but like, I'm not very good at making stuff supernatural, but it just trying to make it at least close for the fish and then also just so people like the paint scheme that you're putting out that's really like the big thing like yeah to me at least like there's been some polls on some universe of what other people think but um i feel like the fish really care about the profile or like the action of the bait more than they do the paint because like some of these baits are painted like the american flag and stuff like that and like fish still bite them <laughs> they're gonna eat it i don't think i'm really a turrent but like, like your paint, because it's kind of like, it kind of has like, you know, the jitterbug, but it's like, it's like that bait. Like Ooh, yeah. it has the green and like the black, the black dots. And that's kind of scramblers with the green body and yellow dots. It's an iconic look. And it's obviously, I mean, who knows how many fish that that, that, that paint job is caught. And 
it's kind of like variation of that that paint style and i mean it works obviously like like people catch fish on them like like we talked about like it's not necessarily that the fish care but it just it just looks good when it's doing up that it was built to do yeah for sure like i haven't got like i thought i would get more pictures like fish pictures with the scrambler and then sometimes like a while back i was thinking i'm like maybe like people just aren't catching that many fish on the scrambler maybe people aren't fishing uh fishing them and then like like there's been a few people i've just texted maybe they bought like a new bait so i'll just ask them like how they've done the scrambler and a lot of people have said oh i've i've let like my girlfriend fish it or i've let my little kid fish it who's like six years old and like it's pretty cool like they've let like their like family fish it and they do like really well on it even if even though they're not big and that was like definitely an eye-opener that i just need to remember that it's a small bait like big fish can still be caught on it but it is smaller leaning towards more of like that conventional size yeah and like i guess people not necessarily put the smaller baits to shame but they get overlooked and it's it's like okay you can't overlook it because that's a bait that you would have fished four years ago when you first started some bait fishing like everybody has to start somewhere and especially that like you and some other guys who are kind of honing in on not necessarily like the eight, nine inch glide baits who are kind of tackling the more, uh, the smaller speed to kind of get somebody hooked and get them to realize like, oh, okay, so like this eight. So what if I, what if I upgrade to this five inch bait? Like I'm sure it'll have the same results. And it's kind of, you guys are more or less paving the way to kind of get into the sport and realize it doesn't have to be 10 inches long to be considered swim bait and it also doesn't need to cost four hundred dollars a bait you guys are making like, the next next generation beginner i would put it yeah i think so too especially with the scrambler like it's smaller and then like yeah there are a few other builders making like the smaller baits and they'll be posting on some universe and stuff or their instagrams and like yeah i definitely think that it's good for those beginning anglers because like people start out with the s waiver uh, like the 168 pretty small and then like the tiny clash that's still my my favorite bait like i love the tiny clash so that's caught in a lot of fish probably most of my swim bait fish and uh it's it's like everybody's made like these high-end baits but nobody nobody's really thinking about it or just getting into it like i bait unless they drop 150 dollars like like i just said like you guys are making reasonable pricing into it yeah, and like definitely part of that is like I'm I'm not like a super popular bait maker, you know, so I can't just go out and just charge two hundred bucks for a bait that hasn't been around for a long time. And like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, but like I couldn't do it, and that's okay. Like I I understand that, and like I'll get there at some point to like charge more yeah. for my baits, and you know, that's just part of the process, really. Yeah, honestly, it uh, it. I mean, it's helping you get your foot in the door. People kind of learning your name, and like, like we said, like anybody can get one of your baits and and catch. Even if they're not catching fish on it, they're significant other, or somebody can go out and kind of experience that, that with them. Uh, well, yeah, for kind sure. of kind of question I I wanna I wanna ask. It's like the answer is always a little bit different. Um, what's your favorite part about building the baits? And then uh, what what's your favorite process or what's your favorite part in the process, whether that be like the painting or even if you're like just carving the masters, what's your favorite part about that? I think the painting. I think I like the painting the most and it can be really frustrating, especially if 
you've been spending a long time on this bait and then you mess it up and like you just can't stop looking at it because when it comes to the painting especially I'm just a total perfectionist about it and uh yeah maybe you'll have some paint splatter or um you'll be shooting your paint and then suddenly there's some water and it just goes straight onto the bait and bait and then you try to wipe it off and you smear it and then you have to restart um so it, like it can be frustrating but just like anything like it takes a while to learn and also just like learning your equipment so whether that's like having another moisture trap on the airbrush to um keep that from happening or just stirring up your paint better but i mean really like the painting is my favorite because i feel like it's just the more like artistic part of it and um yeah i just enjoy it when it when i'm like when it actually turns out and it's like really rewarding right yeah and it kind of like it kind of benefits you as the builder because um if you if you do 10 different baits and there's two of every paint job like you you remember what it took to make that paint job and like if you send it out to somebody and you see them catch a fish on and you're like man and like i remember painting that bait like I remember everything about that bait. I remember if there's like a little mess up on it, that's like an actor for you. Like, it's like, Oh shit. Like I, I messed up that bait three times and I had to respray it two different times until I finally got it to that paint job. So I think that's kind of the cool thing. Whereas like, if you do batches, like 25 all in the same color, not necessarily you lose that touch, but it's not necessarily, they're not, they're kind of all identical and it's kind of hard to tell apart your batches. In my opinion, I've played around with, like quite a bit of different stencils and like a lot of companies make stencils and then I've made my own. I, I really like the scale look with the two piece and the three piece that I've been making. My friend, he so the one that got me into bait making, he like s slowly stopped doing it and then he got into soft plastics. So he's the one that made like all my scrambler tails and the two piece and three piece tails. So like without him, I wouldn't really be able to make those baits the same way I do. I'd have to have like Lex and tails and have those custom cut by whoever or by myself. And then, you know, that's a completely different action. So like that has helped a ton. And then back to the stencils, like he, once he fell out of like doing the hard baits, once he got into the soft plastics, he gave me this, it's got like window screen and it's like, two feet by two feet and it has wood on the sides of it. And then there's like a hinge and uh, it's just like two pieces of window screen and they just like clamp together and you put your bait in, in between them and then you get to spray on both sides okay. and you can like layer up your colors. Yeah. yeah that, mm -hmm. that makes it nice to kind of give it that, that scale factor relative to like wrapping it in window netting and clamping together and that sort of thing. It's not, it's kind of, it just stuff makes it a little bit easier, kind of like how we talked about making the jig for the scrambler bills, uh, bill cuts and everything like anything to make the process a little bit easier helps helps any builder a shit ton. Kind of one question. Fuck, I forgot what it was. I just had it in my head, too. Um, uh, shit. Hold on. I got to think here. Um, uh, fuck. I guess I guess if you want anything. Um, Go ahead and try to think of this last question I had for you. <laughs> okay, so the salamander, 
So yeah, like now it has that like more natural to a salamander swim. I've just been playing around with hooks and through having testers and just testing it myself, like I've already been able to see what I need to change on the bait, whether that's like the back hook hanger started catching and then I like, catching on the tail and I had to fix that. And then just the action, getting the baits tuned, stuff like that. So like when I do release this bait, like I want it to be a hundred percent and I don't want there to be like things wrong with it to where people don't really like the bait and like I want it to be something that doesn't just sit in your tackle box or it doesn't like get sold by one person, then go to another person and then get sold to another person. Right. And like that's cool if it's not your style, you know. I just want it to be a really versatile bait that is like a really high quality. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, it's nice to see like somebody buy a bait and then three weeks later, they're sending you fish pictures on it instead of seeing it up on a forum for sale. It's kind of like, oh shit. Like, and I'm sure it kind of like, it makes you wonder, like, did I, did I like fuck it up? Does it not swim right? Uh, do they not like the way it swims? Do they not like the way it looks or something? So I'm sure it kind of, uh, makes you think like, makes you kind of do a double take on your baits too. I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I overthink that stuff a lot. And uh like again, like if it's not somebody's style, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's some baits I get and I'm like, yeah, like I probably won't fish this as much as like let's say my tiny clash or my scrambler, but I mean, it's still a cool bait and then I like sell it and then like, there's nothing wrong with that bait. It's just not my style and like maybe in two years it will be my style. Maybe I will like that style of bait. But yeah, like I definitely think, and I, luckily I do tune all of my baits before I ship them out, and so like I know if they swim well or not, and like if something was to happen to a bait, like I would definitely take care of it, because yeah, obviously like that bait has my name basically written on it. Like I don't want to put crappy baits out there. Oh, for sure, and like you said, like it's crazy that you can go a year and not fish a bait like for the longest time i was like i'm not gonna fish a tk like it's so small and then i got one this year and i started fishing it and i started catching a shit ton of fish and i'm like holy crap like i don't care what size it is like if i'm catching this many fish on it i'm gonna keep fishing it and i look back and i'm like oh my gosh i went three and a half years with not fishing this bait like why why didn't i just why did i just never give it a shot yeah it's pretty fun bait yeah um i finally finally remembered the last question i was going to ask you so throughout the whole building process and kind of like weighting your baits and everything was it was it a trial and error type of thing for you or did you have people that you kind of reached out to and asked for pointers or i know that there's uh there's like lure buildings lure building pages on facebook that i see guys ask questions on all the time or was it like i said like trial by fire like you went out you did something Next time you went out fishing, you you went to go see if it swam right or if you if you messed it up or if it's something you needed to change a little bit or how, I guess how did that whole process go for you? So like marling baits, like I've always watched him because like it's pretty entertaining and stuff like that. He's really good, um, but he doesn't like sh a lot of times he doesn't show exactly like how or like explain what he's doing, explain how to wait a, a glide bait, let's say or a crank down and uh, he doesn't make like everyone's bait is different. Like my salamander is different than everything else just because it's carved and like it's hand carved is different from those other baits. So it could swim completely different. 
just because of the way water catches on it and flows around it. And also, there's just so many factors. So, um, yeah, like there's some Facebook pages I've been on for a long time. And uh, I think I've posted in them. I mean, I probably did, especially with the glide baits on like how to get something to actually glide. Um, and then I know I posted in there about other stuff like silicone and uh, like problems with resin bubbles and stuff. Uh, Edwin from Legal Dope, we've texted for a while and um, we've shared information back and forth on just like resin baits and different processes that we do or like different materials that we use. And like we don't text super often, just like once in a while, but like we're both pretty open with each other about that stuff and uh so yeah he's been super cool um and we both just helped each other out with actually like like a little bit of ratios but like definitely when i was trying to figure out the three piece and the two piece a long time ago he really helped me out just like giving me some pointers on that but um a lot of it a lot of it was trial and error especially especially with the um salamander and the rat especially yeah i was gonna say it's always nice when when you can kind of find a guy who to kind of bounce ideas off of or instead of not necessarily wasting your time and money but uh if they can help you out in any way it's kind of nice to have those guys in your corner uh kind of just to see the way they run things and to see uh if if your way if your thought of doing it was something they've already done and kind of like oh yeah dude like don't even try that like it's not worth the time it's always nice to have those kind of guys to, to like just like i said bounce ideas off of it's like relative to this like the podcast it's kind of something that uh it's just trial by error either guys are gonna like it guys aren't and that's why like before before you dump a lot of money into something you kind of you kind of get ideas of what people want or what they like because it's like okay it's like if if I make something you guys like, then obviously uh, it'll be worth it. But if I if I make all these baits or if I if I make twenty episodes of this podcast and nobody likes it, like that doesn't benefit me. That doesn't benefit anybody. So if I can get feedback from others, it's gonna help everybody in the process. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I bet you understand it with like a podcast. Like not everyone is gonna like it for whatever reason. Like no matter what you're doing. Like the more followers you get or like uh, viewers and stuff, like not everyone's going to like it. And like, that's okay. Cause no matter, yeah, literally no matter what you're doing, there's going to be some people that just aren't going to like what you're doing or are going to find something to complain about. But like, luckily, like definitely for the most part, there's just a lot of good people, especially on Summate Universe. And like, it's a really good platform for a lot of new builders. So that's been really helpful. Yeah, and it's like it's like the guys who do hate on on like your scramblers or hate on whatever. It's like I don't know. It's just it's weird that people feel the need to go out of their way to to chime into something that literally affects them in no way at all, and they just feel like their two cents is worthy of being seen by everybody. It's just it's it's weird how how people go about that sort of thing and why they take the time out of their day to do that stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure, and like. Uh, there was a post on Universe like a week ago. You might have seen it, and it was like a a clay, um, clay bait. It was like a 
It was a small mouse. I can't remember the name, oh, but it's been around yeah, for I know so exactly long, dude. About. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that post. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's, I don't know. It's weird to think that people have nothing better to do than, than start that sort of stuff. But I don't know. People, people are all wired different. So I guess we probably never know why they do that. But I don't know. It's just an odd thing that happens more frequently than I think it should. And I um, mean, there's a lot of stuff going on with a lot of different companies, like about people knocking their stuff off. And I mean, it's, yeah, it sucks. And some people say like, we just need to like move past it, which yeah, we do like never stop innovating, but like, it's also not cool to go mold somebody's stuff. Luckily, I've, none of this has really happened to me, but like, it's not cool to go mold somebody's stuff or make something that's a total exact copy, copy, and then just release it to the public. I mean, come on. Yeah, and I mean, you always see comments are like, "Oh, it's okay, it's okay because you can't get you can't get this bait," and it's like, I mean, it's not really okay just because just because it's like a sought after bait that you can't get your hands on doesn't justify you, like you said, to get that bait and mold it for verbatim and paint it up and sell it. Like, I don't know, it's uh, it's something that's very odd that like 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 I said that happens way too much. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a stop to it because there's so many people that do that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's just the people that post about it. Like I, I, I could not tell you, I bet how many people have molded like battle shads and stuff and have never said anything. And they just, <laughs> they just have their own homemade version of the battle shad because they don't want to drop the 40, whatever, however much on a pack of two citizen or two battle shads. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's odd how people think, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like there's some people on eBay that have like molded citizens and stuff, selling that. And I mean, it's pretty cool that Mike uh, from Working Class Zero started doing like the mass production, or I don't know, not really mass production, but he has like a, some making employees now stuff. making a lot. Yeah, he has like a ton of citizens. Like soon, just like what Toxic did like a couple of years ago, is just putting out so many baits that there's not really any flippers. So I think eventually yeah, that'll happen right. with working class zero. Uh, yeah, I bet you. Cause I mean, like now he's doing a drop like every week or every other week. Like I see his, I see posts of people saying like, Oh, they're on the site. And I'm like, damn, like, didn't he just do that like a couple of weeks ago? But it's like supply and demand. The more you put into the market, the less, obviously the less guys who are going to try to knock it off because there's just so many out there that you can get. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I guess is there anything else you kind of want to touch on? Um, like I like I said, I'll I'll put your Instagram and everything in the description. Uh, are you going to do any bait drops anytime soon that people need to keep their eyes open for? Or are you kind of just worried about kind of perfecting the salamander so you can do a drop of them sometime soon? Um, I've been pretty pretty busy just perfecting the salamander, and but I have a batch started and. Uh, I'm just, I've had my, my testers give me some input so far. And like, there's still some that, uh, need to like fish it a little bit because they haven't had it for very long. But, um, so I'm just going to take my time a little bit with this batch, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't have a website or anything. It's all on Facebook and Instagram, mostly on Facebook, whether that's just my main page or most of the time it's on Simbate Universe when I do actual drop. Right. Yeah, like I said, I'll tag, uh, I'll put your Instagram and everything in there. And uh, 
I mean, if you guys are interested, like like Eli said, keep an eye out because it will come. It's just kind of slowly creeping up to make sure it's everything. Everything's up to par that he wants it to be right now. Um, is there anything else that you want to want to kind of touch on before we close it out, or is that has everything been said? <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that's it. Um, I just want to thank you for letting me hop on the podcast. It was super fun, and uh, I've always I always like doing stuff like this and just talking to new people from uh, wherever that is, just about fishing and all that stuff. So I just appreciate it, and uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. Yeah, dude, thank you for coming on. I hit you up like Friday, maybe, or maybe maybe Saturday or something. And I was like, hey, like, you want to come on? Just let me know. And like, you responded the next day. You're like, yeah, dude, like, we talked. You're like, does Tuesday work out? Like, shit, Tuesday works perfect. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, uh, and then, oh, I yeah, think you I will... said, oh, go ahead. Oh, were you saying, oh, you're going to the gathering, I think, right? Yeah, yep. I'm, I think I'm going to end up going to the gathering. Yeah, and then Toxic Day. I went to last Toxic Day, but I guess he's going to have it in the spring now. But, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll probably go to that because I went last time and, dude, it's, it was awesome. I haven't, I've never been to the gathering, but I want to at some point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of tough for you being out in Oregon. Literally, it's it's across the country, like literally side to side across the country. Um, but, yeah, for anybody who wants to go to Toxic Day – Eli just said he plans on being there. So if you guys go there, make sure you hit him up. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll have a table full of baits. I'm sure you're probably not going there empty handed. If you, if you do yeah, go, for sure. uh-huh. but uh, I want to, I want to thank Eli for coming on. It was a very kind of impromptu thing, but I think we did a good job. Um, make sure uh, if you guys haven't already follow him, check out, check out his Instagram. Like I said, that'll be linked in the description. Make sure you guys follow scales and tails underscore podcast on Instagram. If you guys don't already. Also, uh, at the time of recording this episode, I have some July slaps left for the uh, giveaway of that trashy dad bod swimmer. So make sure if you guys want a chance to win that, you guys uh, go get in line because I'm sure that those stickers aren't going to last too much longer. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to everybody. Yeah, and I'll talk to everybody next time. Thanks, guys.